you know about Now, we're only going to do it if you guys will agree. We promise. We promise. Okay. Okay. Here's the deal. I spent three years at Cancer Ward talking to God. I've talked to God more than you can possibly imagine. At the end of it, we made an NDA. He loves you. (laughs) We have an NDA. I've got my assignment. That's all you get to know. I got an NDA. So that's the last, that's the first and last time. Well, this is the second and last time you're ever going to hear me address that public discussion publicly. Yeah. You guys, you guys, since you promised me, you 5,000 people from now on, you're going to spread that answer to me because I'm not going to get into that with people. It's too personal. It's like asking about, tell you what, I'm going to send you. I, I listen, listen, I'm going to say this. Um, a lot of people um, understand that there are things that we can't understand. And, uh, you know, I have listeners that are uh, Muslim, Jews, Sikhs, right? Hindus, Buddhists. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and I remember, I'll tell you this story, and I've said this so many times, I think my listeners are tired of hearing it. The first time I actually shadowed in surgery in school, um, it was an open, um, it was like a <coughs> open. You're the strangest lady. You're the strangest one yeah, I've ever met. Wait, I feel like so if somebody would said, hey, here, anyone ever hear backup a submarine? Well, I hot racked in a submarine off Connecticut once, but never drove it. But um, uh, when I was in <coughs> surgery, they were doing like an exploratory um, GI surgery for this patient. And I remember that because I was the oldest, right, the surgeon needed hands. And he was like, um, you know, come over here and hold the suction. And I literally put my finger in this person's intestines and just sat there. It almost looked pervy, like if I could see myself. And all I could think about, wow, all those cells are working together and it just looks marvelous. Like I marveled at the synchronicity of everything moving together. It was so weird, but it was such um, a humbling moment to, you know, for someone that was studying molecular and cellular biology, immunology, that's what I was focusing on. Um, to see all those cells working together, for me, it was like, whoa, because I could feel the life in my finger in this man's, you know, large intestine. It was at the corner of his large intestine, right where the transverse comes up. So it was like, it was on the ascending part of the colon. Like it was so, it was so, yeah, it was, it was the right angle. Yeah. It was right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it was, it was so marvelous because it worked so amazing. And I was like, if anyone can even feel what I just felt. There's no way that they could think. I don't believe that there's any real scientist that really believes that everything's an accident. I mean, it's just way well, too perfect. Well, they don't believe it's an accident. They believe that you, they, it could have evolved there. But I have to, I know a lot of physicians get that feeling, just like biologists. They say that when at some point they're so entranced with like studying the structure of a tree or a, the ro- a rose that, and they see this beauty as yeah. it's this moment that is their spiritual moment. I had, I've had that. And I can yeah. tell you. It's amazing, isn't it? One I of them, one of the times I've had that 
I was bicycling home from Screen Library at Stanford studying logic, one set, which comes from logos, by the way, the word logic, uh, and studying. And uh, in the beginning, there was the logic, the system, the rational, the, the spirit of, of, of truth. I, I actually, the thing that binds all of the Christians together is the search for truth. We don't, it, we can get, a, if we all agree that the first thing to know to be, the only thing to really, to which to be submissive or is the truth, is the truth. I mean, that's where that, so that, anyway, I was writing, I've been studying mathematical logic and a certain proof called Gödel's theorem, a, an Austrian logician in the 1920s in uh, Vienna, Kurt Gödel, his last name is G-O-D-E-L with a O has an umlaut. So Kurt Gödel had an incompleteness theorem and I was bicycling home at midnight because the library had closed. And I had this moment that was just that moment you mean, where I had that connection with, because this incomplete, it's a mathematical theory that is so philosophically deep. And well, even searching the, the, for God, I've, I've, I, I actually studied that when I did ethics and, and yeah, yeah. so. So anyway, I'm with you. I just, I didn't want to go off on Faust and stuff, but I see all these people. Anyway, I no, just want my to, audience. Let me just tell you something. They're pretty woke. I only said that one, once yeah. one other time. It's very painful for me to talk about. Send, I'm sending you my cancer speech and well, you can, and you can understand but I, I, the whole subject is tied up with a very. Yeah. I well, I can tell you, I, 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 I speak with you. So I don't need anything, your voice and your statements and, and how, you know, we exchange information because you put me in my place all the time, which is correct. And, you know, I won't hesitate to contrast or anything. Um, no, you're great. One thing, I'm and I'm just, you and you're so, I, I measure, sometimes I drop little quips and your speed of processing time. I told you earlier today, I think we were speaking a couple of nights ago and I dropped some a line or two on you that I've used with those. I was waiting to see how quickly people get. You get everything faster than just about anyone in the world other than. I'm upgraded, so. I'm an upgrade at five foot zero, um, which, by the way, everyone couldn't believe how tall you were. And, uh, you know, they so didn't. Said, well, I didn't know Patrick was a Wookiee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the pages said that you were five foot eight. I'm like, stop. Right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you are, you are, um, you are genuine. And I think people don't like genuine people at all. Um, and I think they take them I like three cheese. Yeah. No people don't like, they yeah, don't people, did they like insincere people. Well, uh, you know, people like insincerity. That's a whole psych, <laughs> you know, that's where psyops come from, right? People like insincerity. They like people that uh, posture and mirror what their likes are. So if you're genuine and you're not trying to cater to the other person, that puts them off. So there's going to be a lot of people. Problem. That yeah, must well, be my no. problem. Yeah, a lot of people are going to hate you. Yeah. And then want let them share your values. We all find each other. We all move the world forward together. I well, people will hate you. Doesn't always, that, doesn't that look like in my youth, we might make fun of a guy who thought that a measure that it proved that he was a good guy because not to point fingers at any individuals, but just if you had told me 30 years, 50 years, 40 years ago, there'd be some guy out there saying, because I mentioned Jesus 700 times in the last month, I'm the guy who's the honest guy. We would all have laughed and said, "Does anyone fall for that? Does anyone doesn't does that really work on anyone?" 
Yeah, it does. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyone would admire that. Well, you know, like, okay, I'm going to, yeah, but here's, here's this people will thump what they believe people like to hear. Like, for example, the person tormenting my daughter, this adult keep thumping. I'm a veteran. And it's like, nobody gets saying that if I cross paths with Patrick Burry, I'm going to have to have a word with him. About well, that. no, you, you can see it on his Twitter feed. He's putting well, it all out there. Know, well, let you Patrick know? Burry know yeah. that I <laughs> if I ever cross paths with him, he and I will have words about that. Yeah, I know. He doesn't care. He, 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 oh, listen, but, he, but like, for example, for example, we see a lot of people commit atrocities. And for me, that's an atrocity. And then they sit there and say, well, I'm a veteran. I served. And it's like, how many veterans do you know? Because I know a lot of them that are complete assholes and are going against our nation right now. Tons of them, aren't they? Most. That are going, yeah, tons of them against our nation. How many right now served and are in the FBI and the DOJ and are hunting down Americans? Tons of them. You know so how not, is that? Not FBI. Even, I think the FBI, I think the FBI are good men and women, even the ones I've been across the table from in hostile situation. You know, I've been investigated and all kinds of beaten up and all that kind of stuff. It's the DHS I worry about. But even there, I hear there's people realizing this has gone too far. They remember the Constitution. They also, you know, the DHS is now being called the Stasi by the rest of the federal government. And that's become their role. And yeah. I think anyone in the DHS needs to think, search your heart, remember your constitutional oath. No one joined the DHS because they wanted to be part of a communist revolution. There you go. They need to remember. And maybe not that you should do everything, you know, do everything on principle, but if you want to be a little bit practical, you better start thinking about if you stay on that side. And I know that you folks are cooking up. They're like the, the road runner and the coyote and the coyote keeps getting outsmarted and then he keeps coming back with crazier schemes. They're kicking up some crazier schemes, I'm sure. You better bet, if you're gonna bet on that side, you better be really sure you're gonna win. Yeah. Because I'm doing everything I can. People have told me it's gotten tedious how much I'm trying to keep peace. But <clears throat> speaking of which, I think that we have them cornered enough Clearly, their narrative mm -hmm. crumbled. COVID's crumbled. This and that. They can wag the dog. Yeah, I know that was. Well, they drop monkeys now. And the thing is, you know, but come on, that's like <laughs> a movie. He's writing their new new script. Well, <laughs> no, no, you should watch this movie. It's actually called A Hundred Monkeys V, and it's about a truck with monkeys, and they all run out, and then one gets loose, and and then people die, and it's a cybersecurity guy that does it. I kid you not. Like this is really? a script. Hey, why? I remember think Contagion with Dustin Hoffman or Breakout or Outbreak, whatever it was called. No, no, no. Know. Hold on. Let me see if I can. No, uh, there is a movie called A Hundred uh, Monkeys. I'm I'm one million percent sure about a cybersecurity guy and some monkeys, and they get. Um, it's V, the um, hundred monkeys, something V. Uh, I'm somebody. Sh damn it! Let me see if they put it in the chat. They know because it's like there it is. IMBD. Oh, I can't click through this program, but it's the title right there. Oh, damn it! I can't even click on it. I have to find it. It's called a hundred monkeys. monkeys. Yeah. It's called The Hundred Monkeys. I can't click on the link from where I am. Well, I see somebody writes, Lee Arkady says, we two are controlled opposition. Uh, mm, there it is. A Hundred Monkeys Operation V. That's what the title is. And that's what is so insane that it goes into, and, and the story of this 
truck with the monkeys that fell, um, you know, that fell out. And then the woman that touched it, you know, uh, you know, is getting sick now. It sounds like a really bad script. Pink guy, just as peacock, just as a hemorrhagic fever is broken out in China. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they're trying to hijack people's fears because they failed with. You Holy know, kidding. Wait a second. Wait a second. 2019. Right. I just looked this up on IMD. Can I read you the one? The yeah, three, go ahead. Go ahead. This is the three paragraph, three sentence description on IMD. 100 monkeys. This is 2019. Mm -hmm. A cybersecurity engineer is swept up in a revolutionary movement that is attempting to expose and combat an elitist network forming an authoritarian government in America. The main objective of the revolutionaries is to stop the elitists and innovate the political and economic systems of the United States in order to prevent corruption and protect democracy. Um, it's almost as if I wrote that movie because this is why my documentary is exposing Hollywood CAA. So again, so weird that we're going off movies, aren't Can I we? Tell you, yeah. Can I tell you a CAA story that concerns me? Oh my God, stop. I would have to then, okay, say it because I might even clip it. And if I can slot it into my CAA documentary, I want that. Go. <clears throat> okay. Well, you're, you're welcome to. I don't have anything bad to say. But back when I fought Wall Street and won in sort of 08, 09, everyone got I'd been right. They called me, CAA is the is Entourage, if you've seen the show Entourage. And what's the competitor CAA, the other one? I forget what, there's two big ones. It was and WM, both, but they bought them all now. Oh, is that all CAA? Well, they- wait, uh, wait, 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 before you say, one second, because we're going to start this over where you're going to tell me the story. Did mm -hmm. you know that Joe Biden, the minute he left office, he signed a contract with CAA China? Oh. Wait till you see what this documentary is going to be about. But go ahead, start. Um, that they, once a year they called me and said, boy, we really want to, we want to want to represent you. I said, I don't want to be an actor. And they said, no, no, we want you. We want, there should be movies about you. There should be a movie about your fight with wall street. There's not, how about we can get a Anyway, they eventually, they kept asking me down to Hollywood and it was like six years before I went down and it was, a, I actually really liked the guy. He was like a guy out of entourage, a real character. And he was a, he was a senior fellow there. And they told me how it worked. And how they, they said, they had this whole presentation. And they said, look, every product, every movie you see, gone are the days where it's some individual artist who's had a dream and written something and directed it. It's not how it works. Everything's a package. People come to us and say, we want to make a movie that takes, uh, that's a story about, you know, somebody taking an asteroid is going to hit the earth and somebody sends up a rocket to stop it. And then, Patrick, we get the script writers and we get the directors and we choose the right actors. We're really the guys who make that package happen. And so everything that happens that you see in the movies and HBO and stuff, is that's how it really works. So we think that there should be like a six-part miniseries on HBO about your fight with Wall Street. But the truth is, we, well, at first they were like, there should be a two-hour movie, but then six. Then like, we think this is bigger than that. We can make you a package. And we can we can get you the right speeches and get the right magazines printed about you. First step is we're going to get you a ghostwriter who's going to come out and write your autobiography. And I remember being a bit offended. I don't mean to be, but I said, "Fellow, you may not know it, but I actually happen to be a pretty good writer, I think." And I could never let somebody ghostwrite a book for me. Right. 
But if I write an autobiography, I'm going to have to spend the whole first 500 pages saying, no, it didn't happen this way. It happened that way because the mainstream narrative had done what they later did to Trump. They'd done to so long. So I get somebody else. We could get I could, there are other journal people in that we could get another writer to write a biography of me that I would cooperate with. But it has to be somebody with their own name. So people will trust that it would be you know, some and I'd give somebody like 90 days. We'll go off to an island for 90 days. I'll record anything, answer any question they want. Then they go write. I asked for I only saw this done once. Larry Ellison had someone write a biography of him or someone wrote about and he cooperated but on the on the principle that he could write a footnote anywhere he wanted. And they agreed thinking that it would they come back heavily footnoted. Larry Ellison had like half a dozen footnotes tiny, tiny footnotes, five of them. And then one of them, he took some great exception and wrote this huge response to. But anyway, I didn't. And uh, and they said they, they talked to publishers. They got a big number, big like down payment. But we just, it was like, oh, then I, then I punched out of, that's right. Then I punched out of Overstock and went public about certain things, which you have now explained. Oh, were, and now they can't handle you. So oh, sorry. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> I don't think I'll put it that I, I don't know. CAA, well, the, well, well, the vice president is their asset too. So <laughs> CAA, if you're interested, I'm now ready. I've got some time on my hands. Give me a, let me know. And I'll come down. My guess is they're not interested anymore. No. I think they, they started realizing I was a little bit different. Me, I went. I spent one day with them. They were actually. I spent two days because they came out surfing with me the next day. They. Uh, you surf? Mm. Well, I didn't. I didn't know you surf. Well, <clears throat> a lot about me you may not know. Oh, oh that, yeah, yeah. after you, that may have happened after you. I don't know. That happened. That anyway. That that came about later in life, around 2015. Um, yeah, that's after me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we can't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, so you, so that, uh, so they were, but I spent the, a day with them and stuff and well, I, we never, we never, that was the one time I didn't, I said, I'd think about it, but I just never got around to sign. God, they said, I felt rude. They sent me the contract 20 times. I couldn't bring myself to sign it. I like the guy. I, I won't say his name, but there was a fine guy there. If they're still interested, reach out. And if you want to tell the oh my story. God, they won't. <laughs> Are you kidding? What's they will not. No. <laughs> they're going to be outed so hard. Oh, my God. Patrick, stop. You just. <laughs> That's funny, huh? No, I don't mean yeah. to out them. No, I'm not trying to embarrass no, anyone. No, no, no. You, know, you do know that Kamala signed with them. Freaking Joe Biden signed with them. Like, I have actual receipts on that, actually. I'm not just saying it. Like, contracts and emails and, and, but, um, these people have been running everything. Um, you know, I'm also going to be bringing up Brittany Murphy. So <laughs> what I mean, Brittany Murphy is that sort of blonde childish actor. Yeah. That was, woman. um, murdered. And then her husband five months later, uh, cause they were uh, exposing some government corruption, but, um, that'll be, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot, you know, next time I see you, I'm going to bring <clears throat> these drops for your cough. So my audience, some listener of mine sent me these drops and I don't do subscriptions, you know, to these like, uh, Avon or doTERRA, but damn, are they good? Like I am shocked when I, when I had a bout with the flu could have been COVID, whatever. 
um, I had these, um, they'd sent me these candy drops. One were called breathe and the other one were called protective. I kid you not. If I'm on an airplane, I'm sucking on that protective one. Like nobody's business. I swear by them and there is nothing that has worked. And you know, I'm a smoker too. And I, next time I see you, I will bring you some because you're going to fall in love with them too. Well, I just came back from somewhere with, I've been coughing for a couple days and my wonderful doctor came over to my home last night and diagnosed me with double pneumonia and, and gave me a bunch of shots and medications. I'm about 60% better today. And she let me know. I'll send you some candies. She sent me, she let me know, but I've pneumonia in both lungs not COVID, negative for COVID, uh, but I'm definitely getting better. And it's because you're wearing that stupid gator. You keep wearing it. What's the, is, the gator? No, the thing over your face, like a mask. You have it like as a habit. And and people think that, okay, let me tell you something about Patrick. He wears the mask not to be compliant, but he doesn't like people looking at him when he walks in public. You said I, that or someone I, else? I say that. That, you're so smart. That's exactly what is. I know because I saw people bashing you when you were at some event talking, you know, down in DC. Oh, you're wearing that gator. And I'm like, people don't get it. He does it. So people don't recognize him when he yeah. walks around. That's yeah. why I got yeah, you that. Scarf exactly. for I, I've, I think no one in America has gotten through this pandemic with fewer minutes under a mask than I have until we got to a point about oh, six or seven months ago when I'm out in public, I can't, it seems like a lot of eyes stare at me and maybe I'm being paranoid, but people tell me, Patrick, anyone who's politically attuned in the U.S. will recognize you, 30 or 40% of Americans. I don't know if that's true. It's, but it's true, just- but, it, but, it, but the thing is, the masks are what cause pneumonias. That's like leading cause. And you wear it to hide. That's why I got you a scarf. It's more breathable and it comes off and it freshens up. When we wear gaiters and masks, they don't. You know, I can smell cigarette on my mask if I have to wear it on the airplane, you know, so I wash them before I fly. Um, but but I just wanted to point that out because you were there were trolls on feeds when you were on there. And I was like, see, they don't get him. You know, yeah. it's like, like does anyone thing. get my V for Vendetta mask? Oh, I don't know. I, don't I, know. I, have, I have two masks, a USA flag and a V for Vendetta. And I wear the USA flag some uh, uh, sometimes, and some days I'm in a V for vendetta, you know, uh, who's the, uh, I can't believe I'm blocking V for vendetta. That mask is, from yeah, yeah, yeah. The anonymous, the anonymous. Yeah. No, no, no but it's anonymous, but they took it from the guy who tried to blow yes, up. From yes. Yes. Guy Fox. Fox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, I just wanted to say, this is why I got you a scarf. Yeah. That time for for your birthday. I have it. Because, I wore it. Yeah, I, I know. Use that because it airs out. That's what I'm saying. Use <laughs> it airs out because when you wear that all the time, you're picking it up, putting it down. You know, we're still talking through it. So use the scarf because I know you use it so that way you can hide your face so people don't. I do. I know. I also fly commercial now because it's safer. I was told because <laughs> so I fly commercial and people, uh, I walk through an airport and maybe I'm being paranoid and I try, I don't live in my bubble, but I do catch an occasional, not so occasional, more than occasional, not every, not a third, but there isn't a hallway I walk down that I don't catch somebody doing this as they walk by. 
Hey, it, they, they have to be doing it to you. They do it to me. And once I walked into a store and I asked for cigarettes and the person of the store recognized my voice and they were like, oh, are you Tori? And I'm like, damn, you have, such a weird, you have such an odd voice. That's how I recognize you. when we. Yeah, met. I know. When you first met, you were standing by me and I was like, damn, will he recognize me? I highly doubt it. He won't. I was in. I heard skies. you speak. You have yeah. the voice of a husky lounge singer, like a whiskey drip <laughs> and cigar smoking. Wow, you've oh, seen a lot of life, haven't you? I, I had everything you. right other than the loud singing. Yeah, well, I used to sing. I, I sing. Do I sing. singing or? Um, huh? No, no, I, I like singing. I, I have a good. You know what's uh, a funny thing to me? Oh, I bet you do. You have a very, well, unusual voices are often great singing voices. What's so weird to me is when I'm wearing a mask and 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 people with one glance, still see it's me. And I don't know how they do that. I have the mask. I just, how can they have a mask? There's a lot of tall guys in the world. Yeah, but your hair and you're like a giant. So of course they will. You know, that's, that's normal. Um, well, Patrick, I would totally want to have you on. Maybe, you know, maybe next oh. week we can do one together, you know, just you and me next week at some point, you know. Um, but do another podcast? Huh? Yeah. Next week. That. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Um, because I think, well, I, I'm not going to say it now, but, um, yeah, I'm not going to say you think it something's happening. I, I ask you a question. Mm. Uh, I think that we have reached the point. We don't have the upper hand, but we have reached certainly not the beginning. We're past the beginning. I'd say I thought we had reached the beginning of the end where we have them stifled enough. All we had to do was sit tight. Well, I got to switch to a boxing metaphor and I doubt you box, but maybe you've watched, watched, yeah, no, I've not backed one up. I've slept in a, it, I've hot rack there 48 hours training. I hot racked and that's not fun. Uh, with a male sailor, did you? It was co-ed. It was training. It was all civilians. So, it was kind of disgusting because hot racking is your 12 hours on 12 hours off. And so the person woke up and I just went right into the same bed because we didn't have sheets. So it was kind of nasty. I, would have been um, here on the US I had a female once and a male the other time. So it was kind of nasty. <laughs> it was well, in Connecticut. Oh, really? In, Gro in Groton? Well, it was, yeah, you know, bubblehead town. Let me let me ask you, uh, where were we before we got off on? Well, we, we were saying that we've boxed them. Here's the thing. The when yeah. you're boxing a better opponent, which was invariably the case with me, or a stronger opponent, but you got lucky, You uh, it would be, suppose I got through some fluke or something, had, no, I was actually an okay. I became an okay. I wanted to be the great white hope. I became the great white Nope, maybe the great white dope. I realize it's a sport that anyway, but I got but, <laughs> but what I learned was that if you're against a stronger guy, maybe you do, you know, you're smart, you hit, hurt him enough to slow him down a bit. If you clinch, if you move in for the kill too quickly, it's a big mistake because they may look winded, they may be hurt, but everyone's got that last, a lot of them have that last, like, so what you have to do is when you've gotten the upper hand. You just keep sticking and moving, sticking and moving, sticking and moving, working the cuts, working, trying to open up cuts and things and and anything. Else. But you don't get too close because you just never know. And you never know. There's all kinds of people, you know, you never know about you never know about how people fight from their looks. 
I'll tell you great stories about that, how people box from their looks. Some, uh, and you just keep sticking. I learned this the hard way. You keep your dis. If you clinch too quickly, they can take you. They can do all kinds of things and surprise you. So even if you think you have the upper hand, don't move. Just keep moving and sticking and sticking and working the cuts and looking for opportunities. That's what I'd like to do for 41 weeks. Then we get to a fair election. Everything's copacetic. We get our institutions back under democratic control, under under a legitimate election control, and let the institutions go to work. There's no one louder in America on the side of, as we get there, this is all about, to me, not retaliation. First priority is working ourselves out of this as a country. If someone else wants to judge each other, let that come down the road. Let's let's get forward two or three years, and who knows? Maybe we'll all get past it. I don't know. That's my plan. I'm afraid of clinching too early, but that only works if if that opponent, <clears throat> if they don't summon up for one last charge, they're gonna. And my thinking is, if they're gonna summon, you know, they they get a they get a vote too. And are what they thinking is no, we're not going to go out that way. We see that we've that our different plans have failed. You know, people like you and I. I think that by last summer we were all supposed to be in FEMA camps. All that's dissolved. Their popularity is about twenty three percent. It's actually nineteen. Yeah, we would have been rounded up if the people didn't get up and do. <clears throat> I tell. Um, yeah, well, if the people didn't do what they did, frankly, I, I'm. I'll tell you when it's over where I thought our probabilities were at the beginning. I, I thought they were single digit. I'm now, I think that, however, I'm, I, th I wonder about from the goon point of view, what are they doing? Do they see themselves going down? Well, okay. Yeah. Yes. Last trick. Last, yes. Are they going to try to run something on us? In well, they're case, already trying to run something on us. So you watch the news and I tell my listeners all the time, we hate CNN because they're whatever, but they're going to be the most. <coughs> so what I saw was, um, right before the SCOTUS announcement of Breyer stepping down, there were hit pieces being done on Clarence Thomas, claiming that he's being influenced by his wife, who's right wing and crazy. So that's one. So we've got no, we've got a big SCOTUS thing. They're going to try to pull this one. Okay. They're so going to try to get him off. Well, no. Well, just just watch. It's going to be. They started the hit pieces on him, and now suddenly this justice is stepping down. So SCOTUS gate is going to be in full swing starting February and it's going to be toward the end of February. So that's number one. Number when two, is he going to retire at the end of like June? Well, he just said he announced it today. So they're already starting to cause issues within SCOTUS. So they started doing hit pieces. I played it on my show. Uh, CNN did <laughs> on Clarence Thomas's wife. So that's that. The other one, the other facet that they're taking is now they're starting to start the narrative of how crazy people are because they're talking about election fraud. And the reason is, you is mean, because if you're talking about election fraud, you're crazy. Or, or yes, election? that it's a conspiracy theory and you They've should be doing that all year. Yeah, no, no, no. But now they're taking it up a notch. You're considered a radical, that you need to be investigated. You could be a problem. They're starting the rhetoric. Yeah, well, like, the, West, here's the, the Wisconsin here's, Supreme Court, a, a, uh, a subversive. Here's support. the other thing. Here's the other thing that no one's looking at. A lot of foreign money and big corporations are now going to push this racist voter ID thing. 
Because all the states are kind of fed up, people are going to be running on this voter ID. You think Stacey Abrams is gone? You have no idea what they're about to do. So, uh, you know, we've been watching their chats and their money going in. They're also planning things. So this means they know the jig is up. So we have them in a tighter corner than most people think because what they're starting to build is retaliation. So here's where they're going to start pushing it. So there's a lot of pressure on the Biden administration to get harder and faster. So that's that. Um, Harder uh, and faster means what? Pardon? Pressure on the Biden administration to get harder and faster. What's that mean? Harder and faster to push these things, like the voter ID thing to squash it, um, hard to actually federalize the laws in regards to being allowed to vote. So they came, watch, they came with the federalization of elections. Now they're going to come back with, we want to make sure that federally across the whole nation, no one's supposed to show ID the way they say. You watch it happen. They're going to push that as hard as they can. So the reason they're doing this is because I know everyone's anticipating 2022, right? And they're anticipating it. There's going to be great runs. There's a lot of great people running. But fuck, I'm tired, Patrick. I'm, I want to blow the lid off of this. Like I'm praying that I jump over all these motions to dismiss because if I can get at least some of my stuff out, right, it can be game over. It can be that thing that tips over legislators in Michigan and Arizona, just that extra little bit of something (laughs) so that we can make them grow some cojones and stand up for the people. I mean, if I was running for secretary of state in the state that was a contested one, I'd run on the thing, Hey, elect me and I'll decertify the elections. And that includes me too. You know, I would, I mean, we need people with balls and, and, and waiting for elections and this and that isn't really going to work. We need to start having serious and uncomfortable conversations about elections, serious and uncomfortable conversations about what we think the parties stand for. Because, you know, I've said this again and again and again, the Democrats didn't steal the election for President Trump. The Republicans did. I want and to know more about your theories like on that. That's an interesting hypothesis and not inconsistent with. Well, you and I both know conversations that were had in the White House mm-hmm. by Republicans with the president. Now, tell me with that statement, how does that not make sense? There was definitely sabotage from within. I had two months swimming around on the outside of the Trump administration, staying in the Trump hotel, staffers coming and going, me befriending some of them, meeting some for dinners, this, that, eventually getting invited in. I got to know a dozen people around them and hear, hearing a lot of thoughts from different directions from people who were working in the administration and in the White House. And I got a pretty clear picture. There's no question that he was completely betrayed from within. I felt so sorry for him. I well, I mean, this, this this whole election fraud machine was created by a Republican. Who? Bush. That's an interesting hypothesis. Given how he's behaved it's in the last... It's actually fact. Like, well, I, 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 I know it. I say it, and I know it, and I would put my life on it. And because I was there. So... What, the tell me about Bush's involvement. Bush actually funded his administration, his Pentagon funded the software. Not the, uh, his, the Pentagon did, huh? Yeah, yeah, the Pentagon did it. I thought and, you then said- they, and then they sold it. They didn't sell it. They closed down that division and gave it to the State Department. Uh, so so you're, I thought your man Brennan was involved. Yeah, he is. He's the one that um, took over from all the other CIA directors. 
I mean, who runs the State Department? Let's be honest. Is it really the Secretary of State? Mm. I mean, most of the spooks, where are they? Copy. State Department. So, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, you know what I found the other day? Oh, my gosh. I didn't find it. John did. Um, But we were working on the uh, on the laptop hunters. And do you know what I found? Okay. So in 2018, I think, or 2019, I outed Ambassador Taft of Russia for unmasking General Flynn. And this is before anyone knew that people had unmasked him. Who unmasked him? I thought it was Susan Rice. Oh, no. Ambassador Teft was one of the people that unmasked Flynn. And um, uh, actually, uh, uh, Grinnell, with his sexy satchel, unleashed all that. And he did it in November. I knew about it. I wrote about it. I told the world about it. I had a stamp that said traitor on his face. Guess who I found all of it? Grinnell or about Taft? No. Teft. Um, uh, yeah, Ambassador Taft, he was the previous ambassador to Russia, right? We're on the same side about Grinnell, right? I think. Yeah. Oh my God. He's badass, And he walks with his sexy satchel. I love him. Um, uh, and his parents are so proud of him and you know, you could just see it, but uh, I just, I have good things only to say, but he, uh, he actually released those documents as acting DNI. And it showed that ambassador Taft was one of the people that unmasked Flynn. I had released that a year before he did. What do you know about? Yeah. And wait, I found him in the Hunter Biden laptop too. Same ambassador. What's he saying? What's he doing? Well, you know, it's about the current events, you know, that are happening right now. So that was very interesting that I found. I didn't, I, I, I don't look, he was doing business with Hunter. That's all I have to say. So we had the ambassador of Russia doing business with Hunter. I just want to put it out there because, you know, it was an interesting find. And, you know, so it was it was actually interesting. But like I said, on my page, ToriSays.com, I actually wrote an article and it was part three of Spygate where I talked about USAID. I talked about Brennan, but then I exposed him because he was on the cover of the article with a big stamp that says traitor because he was one of the people that unmasked General Flynn. And nobody knew that until Grinnell, a year later after I published it, um, you know, had released it. And uh, ironically, he was found in Hunter Biden's laptop too. So I'm pretty sure Garrett Ziegler will take a stab at that. I, I don't think I mentioned, hey, you know, maybe you want to look into Ambassador Teft, you know, <laughs> because that that clown has two kids working as careers, one at the State Department and one at some government front, uh, you know, NGO. So it's pretty interesting because his daughter was involved with Albania when they were having election stuff. And then they kicked out, you know, USAID, you know, Albania and Russia, they kicked out USAID saying they they were trying to sway their elections. So weird because they're the ones that got the Pentagon software. Makes sense. Mm, Capiche. Yeah. So Teft. The little baby. But uh, anyway, anyway, I, I wanted to say next week, I'm hoping that you and I can do something together. We'll see. Right. Oh, are you talking about a radio show or something else? Well, I don't know. Anything else. Whatever something else. I'm, I'm down for something else. Okay. I want to answer some of your other questions. I see keep popping up. Okay. People want to know <clears throat> what are the questions people, uh, people keep asking about my well, painting. The painting behind you. That is actually a, I moved into this house. It was nine months ago when I moved to Florida to work with Mike Flynn. That's a, that was, it was furnished. That was there. That's actually a high quality television set. And theoretically I can turn it to show any painting I want. 
So that's the reflection of the, what you see is the light over my head reflecting the screen behind me that's in a gold frame, but it's a special television set for producing works of art. Um, oh, wow. That, yeah. That's something that they asked. Um, so well, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you can like, put whatever you want on it. I, I, I like that idea. That's really cool. People like want to know about what else do they want to know? My, 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 in Wisconsin Falls, how soon PA? If PA falls, how soon Georgia? Bonus tour is Fink the Ringmaster. <laughs> I'm making predictions about politicians and what they're going to do is not something I can do, but I actually think Georgia is crumbling faster. The bad guys have Pennsylvania shored up as far as I can tell. I keep hearing about Hail Marys out of there, but I, I've, I don't hear about real progress. Whereas, although Mastriano is a great man, he got, he got tangled up and they, they wrapped him up. Georgia stuff is falling apart for the bad guys. It's crumbling. It's like Arizona. It's like Wisconsin. So, uh, well, that's you know, the, 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 yeah, no, I believe it. Georgia is really under pressure because, you know, you see them backlashing that they're going to now investigate President Trump. So that's um, that's a fact. Now, Fink, he used to be the CEO of BlackRock, who was served today by me. Yeah. Can you believe that Cerberus is part of BlackRock? Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's so weird, but the guy but died. Well, it's not part of Yeah. Well, no, is, is, is. Yeah, it is. They're no, in the same building. I, Cerberus used to you be didn't know that? I did not know that. Yeah. They're the same thing. So Cerberus has its office in BlackRock's office. You know what was weird? Just before I left Overstock, BlackRock, out of nowhere, got very involved and started accumulating our stock. Became like the largest, largest. Uh, suddenly, out of nowhere, a bunch of big hedge, a bunch of funds like that came, and money managers like that came. But BlackRock was the biggest, and they didn't sure didn't like me. Uh, they're like the me. ABC of money, ABC so, Corporation. I think, I think it was, I think there were other motives. Well, Fink died in June, right? So he was the CEO this past June. He died. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. But I, I wanted to say in regards to BlackRock and Cerberus, um, you know what the funny thing is? Where no. the hell is the SEC? Are they politicized? I mean, they are because they weaponized They're the first. They're the most politicized. Do you, know, you, know, you know who started the investigation against me at the SEC? In don't, don't tell me it was Peter Strzok's wife. Peter Strzok's wife. <laughs> in, uh, oh, yeah. in 2019, they started an investigation for nothing. I could go into. I'm not going to go into why for nothing. And I found out it was Peter Strzok's wife, and it yeah. came shortly after a bribe offer had come my way. Uh -huh. So Peter it's Strzok's so wife also became an, an assistant or associate director who could oversee investigations. A few hours after the SEC had to open an investigation into Hillary's emails. So there was some little corner of the email investigation that the SEC took as it was like a, some public company was mentioned. So the SEC appointed Peter Strzok's wife to mm -hmm. promote her so she could run that investigation. And then later, years later, she opened one into me. See any patterns? If only there were patterns. Well, no, you know, and the, here's the other thing. You know, a lot of people are talking about Vanguard, right? <laughs> Vanguard owns BlackRock. You know what that is? That is a security measure, meaning 
This is where they have the government by the cojones. If you take down BlackRock, then everyone loses their pension. What is the largest pension holder that people have 401ks in? They're called, they have Vanguard. Biggest companies offer Vanguard. So in order to hold the, the government hostage and saying, well, everyone's going to lose their money if you investigate, Vanguard is now at the top of the list. And so the government is in a catch-22 saying, well, if we take them down, no, it's not. you know, uh, well, listen, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, not. exactly. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. You ever see that great movie? Was it Seven? Where mm-hmm. Kaiser Sose, mm-hmm. do you remember what? Do you know, remember Kaiser Sose, shooting in the face metaphor. Kaiser Sose, one of my favorite. Kaiser uh, Sose, do you remember when that, who's that actor who later got in some trouble? Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. Oh, the. He, the he describes guy. what happens when Kaiser Sose, yeah. who's this, uh, was he Turkish, a Turkish, uh, a Turkish mafia guy? And the Albanians, the Albanians show up. And I think they rape his wife, and they're he show, and, he, and they're holding his kids and threatening them, and trying to make Kaiser Sose do what they want. Right. And, turns, and now this is this is just a metaphor. He shoots the hostages himself. Right. That's you can't. Now that's a terrible. Well, but how do you say so, what a so hard man does? You're right. You're right. They so say that. That's it's all. It's all. If you say that, if you think that that's going to save your retirement some days. Folks, letting a bunch of fugazi financial practices continue is, or other, and if you stop, if you do anything about it, it's going to collapse your pension. You got the word. It's good you went into government because you don't understand economics. It's just the opposite. By letting it get as bullshit as it is, you're guaranteeing that you're going to have, that you're going to die a pauper. Right. So, so what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that there's no option. I'm not saying there's no option. Yeah. I'm saying that the government, the economy will completely collapse because if you go after Vanguard, you go after amalgamated bank. So now you've just tanked unions and exposed that those are bubbles. And now you've taken down Vanguard. So the question is, which administration, right, would have the cojones to say, you know what? They're all thieves. They've stolen your money. They've been giving it away. And I'm sorry, but every penny that you've paid in there no longer exists. Therefore, you must change the economy if you do something like that. And how do you change? That's the only solution. That's the shooting of the hostages. You tank it. And this is the problem because people don't seem to understand why. Why aren't they arrested? It's like it's not that easy because a lot of people are still too dumb to understand how the process works. We've got leftists and we've got people that are union workers that really think that their pension exists. It doesn't. I've written hundreds of articles uh, since 2019 about Amalgamated Bank. It's the new BCCI. It's a fabricated bubble, right? It is insane. And right now that's what's being held over their head that, Hey, we're going to drop the union thing and we'll go after Vanguard. Then everyone's pensions gone investments, 401ks tanked. You know, what do you do? You desolate the economy to take them out. You try to, what they're trying to do is create deals. You can't deal with evil. What you got to do is pull the rug out from under them. And that's all we can do. I think Patrick, um, you jumped off. I got you back on. No, no, it was a connection. It was, thing. It was a connection thing. I lost ten words. But, I missed but, ten but words. Yeah, but the, the no. only thing—that's the only thing we could do—is pull the rug out from under them and say, "All right, well, you know what? This dollar is great, but why don't we go gold back and just change it?"
Well, they be, they should because they don't have any options because they have destroyed the dollar. Exactly. But I uh, have been on. I can't believe this is midnight. I, it I, is. I know. We got to go. Well, We're like chatting. Can I ask you a couple questions? Yes. What do you think about Ambassador Huntsman, John Huntsman, who was the Russian and then ba ba Chinese ambassador? Um, I would say he has a previous career prior to being appointed an ambassador. In a field that you're familiar being with? tapped by somewhere over the river. I always thought, guessed that. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't I like don't, yeah, well, I just, I, you know, he plays, he's like Bill Taylor. Right. You remember the guy that that had supersonic hearing and could hear phone calls, you know, in Ukraine where he was testifying. He's like that. He comes off cookie cutter and straightforward and professional. And just because he has good diction and says the right things, this is oh, let me go back to that. This is why people don't like genuine people, because it's them that see that you're genuine and they can't stand it. You know, see, that's the problem. Yeah. You know who's like that? This reminds me of another dichotomy in the world between people who smoke pot and people who do cocaine. And mm. do you mind if is your show too sensitive to mention? No, something? no, no, not at all. You know, not at all, not at all, at all. At the risk, so I smoke pot. I didn't until I was about forty years old, and a doctor recommended. And and uh, uh, my, you know, I know there's rules and against it. And my rule is when you've I've had now 113 surgeries and had my heart stop 500 times. And no, the last, you know, last time I went in, last time I, five years ago, I was stage four of two things at once. And when they diagnosed me, they said, now, besides the cocktail of these drugs, we're going to give you a pill to help you sleep and a pill to control the anxiety and a pill for the pain and a pill to keep your, your nausea down. Is that, I said, fellas, I think I'll just go back to smoking pot when I feel but what I, which does all that, but right. uh, people who do cocaine, and I, I felt that pot always made me reflective and have, there's a reason every jazz musician in the world smokes pot. You kind of, whereas I've never done cocaine in my life, don't want the filthy shit around me, don't want the people around me. And I know there's this vibe, what cocaine does to people, in case your listeners don't know, is it makes them insecure and then they overcompensate and women become sort of big chested bimbos and men become macho assholes. And it's this total shell they're putting out to the world. But when you smoke pot, you see through it and they know you see through it. So potheads are, you know, but cokeheads. Yeah, hate. you you can see the veil. You can, can see that the veil's dropped. Yeah. So what I learned and someone explained this to me, this Kundalini sorceress who used to teach me things that Patrick cokeheads hate people who smoke pot. Some cokeheads say, well, I smoke pot too, but they really just use that to take the edge off the coke. If they do coke, they're cokeheads. And you watch, they hate anyone who just smokes pot because they know that we're seeing through everything. And once she told me that I saw it and it's, and cokeheads, I have this thing where I, I even if I don't know someone's on coke, but rarely, Two or three times a year, I'll be in some setting. There'll be somebody at the table who's bothering me so much. And I'm, I'm the most polite guy you can imagine, generally. I'm so, I'm like, I am too nice. And stuff, and I will just get so I can't control it. Like, I can't hide anymore my distaste for someone. And it's like, until I'm like reacting in this physical way, and I feel really, really bad about myself because I shouldn't be rude to a, a woman or a bit, but I just can't, I can't function. 
it's invariable that they turn out to be on Coke. And I never, so I did, it isn't like I'm objecting, oh, you do Coke, you're beneath me. It's like, it, it, there's this quality that I'm completely allergic to. And it turns out to be highly associated with Coke. I had some people around me in Vegas and some girl came to a dinner and I, and she was acting this way and I found this out. And I said to, there was a guy with me, a really straight laced Mormon guy. I said, get rid of this woman, take her down. And he's like, how? I said, just take her down to the, to the bar. If this was like in the, what's that? The, I don't know, the, the four seasons of the, the Mandalay Bay, take her down to the, the nightclub or something and, and just find, you know, pawn her off on someone with coke. I say, how do I do that? I said, listen, these people are like animals. They find each other. Just get her down. Well, he came back in about 15, they came back in about 15 minutes and said, I can't believe what just happened. I got down. I was standing in the line with her on my arm, standing in the line to get into the nightclub. And she got, there were some people acting strange, three or four people in front of us. And she got shouting, you know, talking to them. Before you know it, they were like these animals and they just got together and they were just, I said, yeah, they found some other Coke people. They find each other. So anyway, what you're describing is like that basic, it's these people who aren't really secure in who they are and they're overcompensating and they, there's something they don't like a lot. It's the people who see who they suspect see through it. Right. And, and they get self-conscious. I mean, whenever, whenever I'm around high people, they're like, oh my God, you're, you're so sweet. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm trying to, you know, when I'm bitchy right? They'll sit and say it, but that's because I get it because I, 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 I eat edibles at night for my, for my liver tumor, right? Mm-hmm. I don't do it during the day. Cause I can't function. I'm, I'm, I can't speak. I can't think it slows me down. And I don't want to see people behind the veil because then, you know, it makes me very uncomfortable because I can see behind the veil without being high. And if I'm high and you're in front of me, it's not going to be nice. I know. Just at some point, there was that show, that movie, The King of Long Island or something about that. It's that SNL actor. He did a pretty good movie called something like The King of Long Island about a boy growing up. And he's hanging out. It's There's two funny scenes. He's a real stoner. And he hangs out in his basement all the time with three other stoners. And they play video and they smoke pot. That's, and, that's, that's going to be me. And one yeah. guy... And he finally wakes up one day, I think he's about 28 or something. And he says, guys, why are we doing this? And uh, I think this is just, <laughs> and like they're sitting there with moldy, crusty bongs and three week old pizza that they're still trying to get one last. So that, and one guy wakes up and says, I don't know, why do I do this anymore? Why, you know, at this point, it's just become my personality. Why is, and one of the other guys says, I don't know, man, I like the lifestyle. <laughs> You know, there's nothing to, so, but it's his observation that it just becomes your personality. I think once you've smoked it a couple dozen times or eaten it and you've seen behind the veil, you don't need it Yeah, I don't like to do it me, because it makes me. I've had I'm about to have 114, surgery number 114. So I'm just, so I don't smoke it when I've had, when I have pneumonia. And that's the other answer I want to give. I literally have been diagnosed with double pneumonia. And actually. Yeah, that's really you, hard. I don't know really how. Today, she said, I've been a doctor for 25 years, Patrick. What I heard in your lungs last night was about the worst I've ever heard. You were like drowning in fluid. And I, I rated it a two or a three on a one to 10. So wow. that's, uh, so, but I'm, I'm way cleared up. I'm sorry. I've coughed and I've muted when I've been coughing. No, but, it's okay. It's okay. Um, one thing that you should look into is getting yourself um, cuties. 
Um, mandarins and tangerines, I tell my audience that all the time. Uh, the fiber and the way they did, that it's um, presented to your intestine to absorb the uh, vitamin C is just insane. I've had people get back to me. Yeah, I've had people get back to me and I'm like, don't eat like one or two, like eat the whole bag. Obviously, if you're sensitive to high potent <laughs> vitamin C, you might have bathroom problems, but I'll tell you, my listeners come back to me and they text me all the time. Damn, those cuties do work. Um, they, I they, want to, I've been using a nebulizer today that she brought me and I want to try that nasal, nasal spray. I saw, uh, just try the cuties. I'm, I'm serious. My, 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 uh, listeners, you can see, they'll tell you, just eat a bag and you'll feel like a different person the next day. No joke. Um, that is, and they have to be specific. They have to be the small mandarins, you know, the cuties, the bag of mandarins that you can get, um, and eat them and just sit there and just eat the whole bag. If you can, I'm dead serious. Okay. Eat the whole oh, bag. I can, can. can you're going to text no. me and you'll be like, you were right. I've had people say that to me. And I was like, Hey, this is how they used to cure things in, in the olden times. And when I was in, in college, I actually looked to see, and actually the molecules, the way the vitamin, cause vitamins degrade when you take a medication, right? And, and it's like, oh, you're taking like an antibiotic less than 1% gets presented to the cells that you need it because really? of digestion and everything. So this is why you have to take it over a course so you can increase the concentration within your blood system, right? Well, the cuties are the, the way the vitamin C goes, it actually creates a turgidness. It presents itself. The shape of the vitamin C sits as lock and key on your cells so good that it creates the mitochondrial cells to be turgid, which makes them uh, get rid of radical oxygen species a lot faster. So okay. if you're suffering from any infection or anything, it it's like a miracle drug. It's, it's a miracle drug in my family. And when I, you know, my grandmother used to tell me this and I was like, whatever. And when I went to college, I actually looked at it from a molecular perspective and I was like, I get it. The fiber doesn't allow it to degrade. This is why it's that specific species when it's going through digestion and your small intestine gets to pick it up in a more, um, a potent way, let's say. So the concentration is higher, therefore it can approach the damaged areas and be, you know, the uptake is a lot better. So that, that was quite, you know, fascinating. People will tell you that too. I've been saying it you know for what, years. Do you know you only, I saw Jordan Peterson say the other night, I haven't checked it, but he said, you only need vitamin C if you eat carbohydrates. But I, Jordan Peterson, mm -hmm. live now on beef, salt and water that's all i eat and you don't need vitamin c that's <laughs> what he said he's yeah that's his diet he's down to 162 pounds he feels better he's raving and raving he's been doing it for one year he raves he's out of no depression he's he's slim handsome oh so he went on that paleo i i i think that's pretty good i'm a lamb person as opposed this is beyond to paleo this yeah, is well, this, this is, is, yeah this is monophagia salt and water yeah monophagia um but um i i i'm a lamb <coughs> more than beef i'm a huge lamb goat I love lamb. It's I, like, I can't. You Then you've eaten it not cooked the right way. You no, I love I used to raise lamb. lamb and slaughter the lamb and eat the lamb. I, no, I, I love lamb. lamb. I love lamb. Beef, beef, I only eat filet or ribeye. And the Would fat. you think of me if I tell you that I've dabbled in vegetarianism? There have been different parts of my life where I've been vegetarian for a couple years at a time, two years at a time. 
And I have to say, it's getting harder and harder for me. So I meet now just socially. Like if I have a wine with somebody is when I, I'm social. And I just, I'm almost vegetarian. And oh my gosh. You need to, I need to cook I for you. I don't want to kill you. I need anything. to cook for you. I need to, I need to cook for you. I don't mind it because but this I, is the ecosystem. This is the biodome. Uh, we share DNA with bananas. Okay. We share DNA with everything on this planet. I'm, I'm okay well, with well, that. Boy, I got to tell you, Jordan's di uh, diet thing sounded interesting to me. I don't I know, man. If I had the money, I would just live off of grilled lamb chops all day. Like, seriously, I would have. Yeah. I have no gallbladder. Maybe you can advise me on this. Among my surgeries. Is I don't have you, one. Uh, well, that means, you know, your gallbladder, when you eat fat, it releases something that makes your gallbladder squeeze. And it squeezes this nasty stuff called bile. Bile. That goes out and and it breaks down animal proteins and fats in a, and about eighty five percent of your capacity to digest animal protein and fat comes from that squirt. Your stomach has some of the right enzymes, but you need that. Lacking a gallbladder, really, you're not supposed to eat much meat or or greens. Say again. Or greens, really? spinach and lettuce. Yep. Not you protein. can't break down the cellulose correctly. I know really? because I'm missing a I'm missing my gallbladder. I'm missing it. So you can't process certain foods properly. I didn't know you couldn't process greens because I live on a green smoothie a day. Yeah, but that's a smoothie and the cellulose is the problem that you can't digest. So if you're taking it as a smoothie, it might be a little bit easier for digestion because you've already broken down a bit, but that's a problem. I've been thinking of trying to eat more meat. And I just the other day looked up a, there are pills, enzymes you can take. And I looked, I just duck, ducked uh, uh, enzymes for people to, who don't have gallbladders to eat meat. And what do you know? It comes out, there's, I love really? it. I'm going to try actually, it. I'm going to get that. And uh, I'm going to try it too. I don't yeah, have a gallbladder either. Your stomach only has about 15% of your capacity to digest. You need your gallbladder. And if you don't have a gallbladder, it really is problematic. You know what you reminded me of? I had gone once to a hospital um, because my, my liver was acting up and I was in a lot of pain and, uh, I was really worried and they were like, Oh, this is how shitty the hospital system is in North Dakota. They were like, well, the scans came back and, you know, and the first thing I see is gallbladder unremarkable. And I'm like, all right, the guy didn't even fucking look at my scan because I don't have a gallbladder. Yep. And That's I was just like, and I was like, damn, I have to go to Minnesota to actually get care. Uh, but either way, I was in a state that didn't really like me. So, you know, I, I wasn't going to get care, but, um, I, I, you know, gallbladders are essential. Um, even though people remove them every day. Um, Has anyone I, figured out what the appendix is for? Do they still believe that it's just some unused organ that hasn't withered away? Because I hear there's a new theory that they have finally discovered it actually has a function, really important function nobody understood before. Uh, you're talking about the appendix? The appendix. Well, the appendix, they say, was something that withered away, um, but it was, a, a, what was it? Um, how did they say it? You know when you get a tummy ache when you eat something because it's not good? Um, mm -hmm. I heard this theory, um, it actually in, in medical school, um, that um, the food <coughs> would go through there and you would stop eating from the berry bush or the meat because you could detect that it was off because it would sit it would sit there and it would cause you pain but not too much to rupture so the appendix is important i mean everything's important <laughs> yeah, it's been presented i was when i studied biology it was taught as an organ that we needed back when we were like 
maybe eating grasses and rocks and stuff, and it could break the really worst stuff down, but we don't need it anymore. And it just hasn't died off on us since we domesticated animals and grains. That doesn't sound completely convincing. And I understand that, like, some there's this big theory that no, no, it turns out to be really important. We yeah, I don't have one of those either. So that sucks. I have all the, I, I don't have any of those essential um, leftovers as they want to call them, but um, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty interesting. I didn't, I didn't know. You didn't know that with your, with your gallbladder out, you have to take it easy on the greens. Really? I never knew that. Wow. I wow, was told maybe. that, you know, because I was having problems. They were like, well, what are you eating? And I'm like, I don't know. I like spinach. I eat dandelions and, you know, Anyway, um, I can't wait for us to do something. Let's do something. Let's connect or something and do something um, next week because I'm kind of excited of what's to come. Like hey. I'm waiting tomorrow. Hopefully we get all the political officials, you know, served, right? Because they're in office now is in, in another capacity. Like Jen Zaki, I'm not subpoenaing her for something that she's doing now. It's from before, you know, where she oversaw certain things in Ukraine because she was the communications point for it for the so. for the uh i happened to have been in the ukraine four years ago and i have a uh what an interesting god hey, you know i've eaten have you yeah. ever been to their fast food their their hexia their fast food yeah. joint yeah that's know. pretty good food right um I love, but, it's a wonderful country and i feel sorry for them and i there's a lot of russian i'm sorry russian I Ukraine. feel like Ukraine is like Ukraine is to Russia like Cyprus is to Greece. Yeah. Right? Good that's one. how it is. Yeah, that's how it is when you look at them. Um I wanted to say so I'm hoping that Saki, Carrie and um who else is left? And Brennan are served. Uh, we tried to serve Brennan at his house, but I guess he sold it. He NBC, he'll be on. Well, yeah, maybe we can just take it to their office since he's a commentator. I mean, they can accept things. Um, you know, we'll see. And maybe I could just give it to the Washington Post. They have him on speed dial, so why not? <laughs> I'm just saying. They do. The guy admitted it to me when he was in. He's like, I talked with John Brennan, and he said, and I was like, oh, you did. First he said, we reached out to his people, and then I got him to fess up that he spoke to him. So um, hopefully that comes out because I want to see if they'll even try to quash the subpoenas. That'll be very interesting. And someone would say, why are you saying it? And it's like, it's inevitable. It is inevitable that someone's going to say something. I mean, the HuffPost said, you think you're going to do it, you know, um, but it's not. Someone, um, someone had asked, oh, they said that the Missouri governor is pushing weighted voting. Doesn't this prove that the machines can do what Dominion denied? No, the Dominion deny it is in their operating manuals that they can. But how they explain it is if you're doing corporate voting, there can be different classes of stock with different weights, and that's why that functionality is built in. Well, that's actually a pretty good explanation. But if you were going to do that, you need to have really rigorous audit, auditable mm -hmm. law, an audit log, so you know that no that no politician decided to count one guy's votes as ten times more than other people's. And the audit functionality, the audit log functionality within Dominion is substandard. And I feel it quite is because of the that. crypto trap door where they shuffle and anonymize the votes. So because you it, it violates all kinds of rules of database, of audits. 
you can't you can add and subtract lines and people can't tell it's not numbered in a way that you can tell there's no you can subtract you can go in and edit the log the precinct manager can go edit the log so they can edit the record so if they cheat they can go edit the record of whether they cheated or not well that means that's not just bad security when i started learning this kind of stuff which was actually a couple of weeks before the election the cynical cynical person in me started thinking it's almost like it's been designed to have bad security well, well, okay. So th there's been a lot of research on this. And the problem that we have is that people want anonymity when they vote. So when their vote goes in, they want it stripped from identity and everything. So how the vote machines work is you put your ballot in, it goes in, and then they encrypt it. Then it gets re-encrypted and then it gets uh, shuffled, anonymized. So they have a ton of votes in there and then they encrypt it decrypt it and then decrypt it again. So you don't know whose vote is what, but you also don't know if it's a weighted vote. That's the problem. And I was explaining that on how they're using this software to fix union elections, corporate votes. I talked about this. Yeah, but I talked about it in 2019. This is Bush? Huh? No, it's definitely Bush. It started, it started here. Check this out. Richard Gates, Robert Gates, sorry, and I keep saying Richard, I keep calling him Dick, probably why, but <laughs> Robert Gates was the one that did it in the Pentagon. I, you know, and the thing is, what's weird is, is that these people were paying federal tax dollars to a business that didn't exist. It was just a house. Well, you've got a super weapon. If you have them, if you- I have those receipts. World, if, 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 a, if the world adopts voting machines, there's only gonna be two or three or four major manufacturers, maybe five and if you can corrupt them all it means you get to control the world from behind your little cubicle because yes. so how because you have everybody's data i'll already know how you vote patrick right now with all the data i have access if i wanted to want you right from your social media to your audio video bank accounts deeds travel oh, no. location i can predict how you're going to vote so there's uh, so i know what votes i have to fix where i need to fix do you know why republicans don't want this outed do you know why they don't want to fix because why the fuck would they go campaigning when they can pay someone a couple thousand dollars buy the data on the constituents of that area and already know you know, I this see how they don't waste money. Of course they would. And it makes yeah. it really a cheap and efficient boy, it kind of takes all the work out of it. Yeah. Um, well, they well, did it, they, they probably did it thinking that there was going to be a great Cold War or post Cold War trick to make the world great. But then, of course, you know, it's the story of Frankenstein. Frankenstein isn't the name of the monster, the name of the monster is the monster. Mm hmm. The name, Dr. Victor Frankenstein is the young scientist who is so, he's like Faust. He's so. He is a monster. The monster itself is just his creation. Yeah, but they, they just call the monster the monster. Dr. Victor Frankenstein is so, uh, loves the power of technology and so entranced about all the huge things it can do, the big things it can do, that he doesn't think adequately about mm -hmm. what he, the horror he might unleash on the world. And that's exactly what happened here. This mm -hmm. is all about control. And and like I said, it goes back to Robert Gates, former CIA director and former guy. And, you know, he got CIA director after that. So, you know, these it, are all things we have to start at the beginning. And was, so I can. Yeah, I want to agree with you. I think there's a bunch of Republicans in on this. I don't no, I'm telling you that Republican for a fact. In Arizona J6, I'm, I'm going to say something. 
I'm going to say something right now on air. You watch. And when we get to the bottom of J6, which will be a very long time from now, <coughs> behind it is the Lincoln Project. Mark my words. J6, I, people I see have asked, would I address that? I will let you know. Hey, I wrote a two-page advertisement to publish in the Washington Post asking the J6 committee to have me in. I know. Saying, and I, I, and they, Washington Post and Washington Examiner refused to publish it. Eventually, I put it I, for pay. I offered to write the check, card rate. They wouldn't. I finally they let me put it online, and I took out a third of the front page ad for a couple weeks in Washington Examiner and Politico and The Hill and a couple other online ones, but the physical one that goes into everyone's office, I put a front page, one third page ad, got hundreds of thousands of people from DC came in and read this. Uh, and I said, you don't even need, I won't even bring a lawyer, won't even bring a lawyer. You don't even need a subpoena, just send me a text, I'll come in. They won't have me in and it's kind of funny. So I'll tell you something big, PBS, Interview has spent a few days following me and interviewing me not long, not long ago, just a week or two. And I'm so proud. We were in Phoenix. It was that Phoenix talk I give. They came and I got special permission to bring them in. And they um, and they to bring them into the reawaken rally in Phoenix. And when I let people know that PBS was there and said, I want I can't wait. Uh, anyway, let's let's reach out to our brothers and sisters and let them know with peace and love that we're really coming at this. We want to get through this and find it. Boy, people gave the biggest ovation to the PBS crew. It, I was so proud, really, to the and movie of America. They're all State Department employees, right? So what, but they, they, to the, the point wasn't them. It's the point is the millions of people behind them who mm -hmm. are going to watch that and see that our crowd – who we really are and not this, this characterization they've created. Yeah. And it's not, it, you know what? Every single American deserves representation. And I, uh, you know, I detest, you know, when I was told, you know, you, you, are you dumb? You can't have people electing their leaders. That would be chaos. You know, that is the, that is the, this is their mantra that people are too stupid to know what's good for them. And that's what hurts, you know, the most. And, you know, at that point I thought, okay, well, we're talking about enemy nations. So, okay. But, uh, -uh. I was on a dive boat in Indonesia two years ago, trying to stay, stay alive and stay away from here. And, uh, there were about 18 other guests and a, a couple were from, uh, England. And one was the kind of woman I used to uh, go to Cambridge with over there, just an English, you know, Fabian socialist type or so I thought. But even she started expressing thoughts that people, the lefties, would have been embarrassed to express in the 1980s when I was at Cambridge. And they, uh, and like, well, they were just saying that kind of thing. And don't you want experts to run things? Wouldn't it be better for experts? And just silly, puerile, puerile, something that shows nobody hasn't really any. Uh, you know what these people are? They were the bad students. I don't want to be a snob about it, but they're the people who couldn't do the serious philosophy work. Like you mean like Cuomo's that just got degrees? Yeah, they, yeah. they were the ones who read Foucault. They right. were the ones who did continental philosophy rather than like reading the Greeks, reading Spinoza, reading Erasmus. They're doing this lightweight, airy-fairy stuff. A bunch of folks, a number of whom were fascist sympathizers during World War II, 
And like uh, Hannah Arendt's boyfriend, uh, being in time, Heidegger, he was he was Nazi. And people act like that's some aberration. It was just this weird, but no, it's all, you can't, it's not just that you can't excuse it. You have to understand it. There's a reason those people were the Nazis. There's, there's one, there was one, a famous literary, a guy who went on to become a famous darling of the left literary critic from, I think it was Belgium or something. He was mm -hmm. another Nazi. They, it's not an accident. These are the fascists. Yeah, no, they are. And, and that's, and that's the thing. If only the people on the left could realize that, you know, if something's free, you're the product. And if we, and if, if we could actually vote, we wouldn't be allowed to do it. And that's exactly why they're trying to pass this law. You know, they don't want us voting. They don't want us choosing our health care. This is why they choose it for us. And they penalize us if we don't select it. These are all things of control. And I think people right now, this awakening is them realizing in retrospect, because I always say you can never connect the dots going forward. It's only backwards. So if you stand up and you look at the past two decades, you're like, holy shit. They've yes. just given me invisible chains. And I didn't even realize it. I was too busy picking out my backsplash, too busy trying to pay my mortgage, too busy trying to work. I was busy, busy, busy. And you know, the IRS is now auditing people for 600 bucks, right? But according yeah, to this- Someone on a nice date. Meanwhile, the government wants less and less- No, meanwhile, the government within a year gave Ukraine $1.5 billion. Kind of sounds like the same damn number of cash we gave to Iran. I'm just saying. So it's like really bizarre. Well, you know, plane creates a cash, private plane from Dover. I'm just saying. It just sounds really bizarre that we can't audit them, but they can audit us. I mean- in the end, what we have to do is take down the IRS, but that'll come later. I think, you know, we're well, going to start that yeah, conversation there is, there at the end of 2022. There's going to be not a great reset, but a constitutional reset. And in that constitutional reset, we're going to fix and put ourselves on a sustainable basis, on a fair basis, redesign social welfare and taxation. It can all be done much simpler, more simply. And i got to say something that's going to shock your viewers because everybody's that... You know, Buffett is my friend. Everybody knows that. And, and you know how I feel about Buffett. He's smart, but... Mm. And, I, and I know that there, he's I got some college, but let me tell folks, he's nothing like I know what you think other billionaires are. Buffett's a very patriotic guy. He has a different position on abortion than you, but other... And even his position there isn't extreme. He says, I want a woman to have a choice. I'm not going to get into how long they... But the, anyway, so it's not as extreme as that. But setting that aside... He's a wonderful, I've never known a rich man who is more patriotic and cares about the country and not the Wall Street crowd, but it's the country. So he's, uh, why did I bring up Buffett? Why did he told me something funny on this point? What we're just hitting. Well, I'm just going to say the way you speak of Buffett is the way I speak of you uh -huh. when people are like, you know, Patrick's like this. And I was like, well, you don't understand him. So he yeah. may come off like this. He may come off like that. But, you know, I know a lot of billionaires. I know kings. I, I've met them. Uh, there are very few. Uh, Buff Buffett, I can admit, I haven't had any um, interactions with. But I see it from a, a more data perspective. And that's why I'm a little bit taken back that he feels like this, but he hasn't done anything to fix it. But he I don't know. I mean, you know he, he really disliked Trump and he, and he put like $50 million in packs behind Biden and stuff. But I'm, I'm sure, well, I, 
uh, I haven't talked to him about this. We are not talking about this. I haven't talked. I don't. Well, I don't want to go into that anyway with him. But I. Uh, yeah, anyway. I told people they they're uh, saying Tory peed in oh, a golden okay. toilet. I tell people that all the time. This is why I, I brought up Buffett, and this is why I love him. Because 20 years ago, I was telling him my view that I thought the by the great social programs we created to turn the federal government into a large insurance company. And as you know, Mr. Buffett, that but one that isn't being run on actuarially sound principles. And when that happens, eventually an insurance company crashes and that's going to happen with the U S government. It's going to go broke. And when it does, it's going to be us rich that bail it out. And I didn't say that like, Oh my God, that's such a terrible thing. I just let him know that that seemed to be like the only, but he said quick as a wink, he goes, well, who's going to bail it out, Patrick? The poor? If the poor could bail it out, they wouldn't be the poor, they'd be the rich. And, you know, he's exactly right. It's a tautology. It's the, but I think the quid pro quo, I guess speaking as one of the rich guys, the quid pro quo is the, the rich aren't going to have to bail it all out. And that's okay by me. Uh, the quid yeah, because pro they'll quo, still be richer than the poor. No, because uh, if Stevie Buff is if Stevie Stevie uh, Cohen goes from ten billion to three billion, his or seven ten billion to seven billion, his life will still be just okay. Right. But I don't, I don't know how it's going to be done. We've got to work with that. It's going to be real simple. But the quid pro quo is we work we redesign the social welfare systems. They were designed in the '30s and the '60s. They're terribly designed, pathological incentives. We've learned so much. We destroyed the black family, which even my radical black. Muslim, uh, I don't know, we're friends, except we argue all the time. Uh, even they acknowledge, oh, that was horrible for the black community to go to 75% uh, out of wedlock births from 21. You know, you should be below white. And then they passed, you know, it's the same knuckleheads at Columbia University, Cloward Piven. Do you know about Cloward Piven? Uh, I've heard of him. I don't know it was, him. It was, a, uh, I think it was husband, wife, sociologist. So, oh SPS gosh, yes, yes, I know you're talking about. Yeah. the society and come out of the rubble in charge, and they were the ones not only in, involved when the Great Society passed in '65. These people got the federal government in '66 to go out and go to like tenements and 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 uh, where black people lived or anywhere they could find them, and, and teach them. Look, if you break up husband, wife, if you break up, we can start sending you X many dollars per month. And they convinced hundreds of thousands, you know, oh, this yes. got around. And that's when the black family broke up. It used to be more intact than the white. Well, that turned out to be an enormous disaster. So that's that's the same people who brought you that theory are the ones who want to, is the ones who have effectively taken over and want to redesign everything. Well, you know, they want to redesign everything, but I think that President Trump was actually setting up the economy to be independent for the reason of what I said, that right now the people, the working people, you know, you know, 250 million Americans right now have their life savings in uh, unions and in uh, 401ks that are controlled by the people that are actually funding most of this. And, and, and this is what I believe he was trying to do to create the independent economy so he can take the dollar, back it by gold, and change the face of the economy so he could say, look, 
They scammed everyone. This is why we have a deficit. No more deficit. We start over. And uh, this is what I believe that that would have been the only solution because you pull the rug out from under them and you get rid of all of them. You gut it down to the freaking janitor. How many times have I said that? When he took office, the first thing he should have done, not CIA, not FBI, State Department, down to the janitor down to the janitor and create Chinese walls between law enforcement, FBI, because they're not supposed to be intelligence, and CIA that will have law enforcement components if they're going to be using intelligence. You shouldn't have this marriage and, you know, connection with intelligence agencies because that's where it gets muddled. That's where people get comfortable and that's where people skirt the rules. And I think technology needs to be used in a way with blockchain to create those walls so we have a good chain of custody on evidence, on identity, on money, right? But it has to be created in that sense that we can self-check itself, right? That's what a blockchain does. So we need to be able to self-check the procedures and the processes within our different agencies. But we can't do it because the people are in the middle and they're going to get hurt the most if we pull the rug out from under them. And this is what we need. We need... um something that backs the dollar. We can't have some whimsy thing. But on the other hand, what cryptocurrency has taught us is an idea can back a currency too. Yeah. Well, And that's something yeah. that, you know, I'm not a financer. I was three classes away from finishing my MBA, right? Because that's when I got my diagnoses. Um, you know, I, I don't know you did an yeah. MBA. Yeah. Um, I just signed up to, what was it called? The, uh, American military university. Um, and I was doing it online. And, uh, when I got my diagnoses, I got like a B and a C and a D. And I was like, dude, you know, I have to retake those cause I'm not okay with that. Right. Because I just didn't attend class anymore. Um, and then I only had three classes, but I did study it because I was looking the writing on the wall where the cryptocurrency market is proving the idea that money can be backed just by an idea and an idea is just as valuable as something tangible like gold. Right. Yeah. And so the, 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 how you restructure the U S economy, once you pull the rug out from under it without making people hungry is very important. And it's going to take a lot of thought and process. And I, and I, and I believe if, if I was the script writer, I would believe that president Trump right now is taking a vacation and he's hashing out those numbers. But if he's not, there's a lot of nerds like me you know, theorizing and putting together plans of how this would be done right when it comes in and takes it down um, and, and puts an end to it. I mean, that sounds like a really great hero movie. Who knows? I mean, 100 Monkeys, Operation V kind of oh, yeah. sounds really freaky. Right? How, how crazy. Right. Uh, and you know what other movie you need to watch? Arcadia. Ooh. That movie will blow your mind. It talks about a society where people were dependent on fucking vaccine boosters. And if they were good citizens, they would get them. Come and if on. they didn't, I'm dead serious. My audience watched this and I was like, it was it was last year that we watched it. And I was like, this is like history. Watch it. And what happened was there was this odd guy out who couldn't get sick because he never got the vaccine. And they were trying to give him the vaccine. So Are you kidding me? No, it's called Arcadia. You need to I watch it. It's on, it up. Yeah, it I do movie nights on purpose because I only share movies with my audience that will help. This them is crazy. This is crazy. This I said is... I'm one of the best script writers. Well, so you know. So they've just. I know. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> did they do this to communicate to their troops or something? What is this about that they would make? Movies? Or it could be it could be that scripts are dropped off. It people that may want something, may money may need a good script, and they just like, oh, you know, I wrote it. Some poor script writer that's out of juice suddenly gets this anonymous script that no one asks for any notoriety, and it could be someone just letting people know what their plan is and warning them so that way they can reflect on it and see things. But, you know, unfortunately, the whole world is kind of asleep. But I have a really great movie list, you know. We watch movies on Sundays, and it always – you know, turns out people are like, do you ever, uh, and you showed my speech in Dallas, right? Yes. And we, we are analyzing the whole speech in retrospect with some current events without you on because you can't answer questions because there's some moves being made. And this is where I say, well, Christopher Ray may not be so bad after all. Huh? I hope so. And I know that you know? he's obviously very mad at me for what I did. And I didn't mean to. Well, no, him. he wasn't because I told you he wasn't. No, I'm he wasn't. He was. I, I, I don't think he, he was. is. I I don't think and I'm very sorry. But, you know, for two and a half years, I've been told to keep silent. Trust us, trust us, trust us. At some point, you know, tell me not to. Warren Buffett told me, don't listen to Washington. You go public, Patrick. This is two and a half years ago. He said, if you if you let Washington, they're going to tell you to come public when it's good for them. It's going it, And they're just going to use it as material amongst themselves, your information to huddle and trade and get better jobs and all this kind of stuff. Your duties to the American people, you got to go public. And I tried two and a half years ago, and I got a little piece of it out. I got squelched. Uh, but... Uh, I reached the point. I, I actually called. I'll tell you something. I'm not really being made public. I called the DOJ about a month before the election when they came out and said they kept me strummy along all through 2020. I got word that don't say a thing. Don't say a thing. We're going to arrest people by May. We're going to arrest people. Then COVID hit. And it became June. Then it became, well, end of summer. And then in uh, then end of summer, summer ends September 21st. And then, you know, you get to September 23rd and Barr came out and said, well, no Durham report, no Durham report before the election. And I called. You can't, you can't, but look. I don't know the story. I called and left a message to a very high level person, not General Barr, but someone else and said, I'm not sure if it's right or wrong for you folks to be asking me to keep silent as we go through this election, but I'm sure it's wrong of me to keep silent. I have an obligation. I get to live with myself too. I'm going to write up what happened and put it up on deep capture. Come arrest me if you want, but I'm no, I'm not staying quiet anymore. So I did that. And then I got in all this election mess and I've been waiting and waiting from Durham to act. And he's, you know, he's writing a history book. No disrespect. I know that John Durham, they documented to me the proof of the bribe to Hillary or I can't say that. I'm, I'm, I don't yeah, know. We don't have to. We don't have to. Sure, we don't talk about sure something like they were throwing documents that show they found it. They had to let us go through a national election and not expose all that before the election. They played politics. That's politics. No, I, it had and to be. I, just, I got tired recently and I said, I've done enough. When Durham hadn't done anything, as of a few months ago, I've been leading up to it in my speeches. I finally said, no, I'm going public. No, screw it. And, yeah, and, I'm sorry is, that, and I feel very badly. I did it as correctly as I could, but I'm not, I, I never signed up to stay quiet about a coup. I, I was silent way too long because I still believed and I was, and I know. 
Well, no. let me tell you something. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it had to be this 500 way. times. What's 501? Yeah. So well, I'm it, trying to be part of the solution, guys. But Okay. Yeah. Check this out. I'm, I'm filing a lawsuit against Dominion. A lot of people may say, oh, well, you're posting all your stuff. You're telling them what you're doing. You know, this is, this is a problem. You should keep quiet. I'm like, no, it's a lot Thank more you. fun it's when they watch. No, it wa it's a lot more fun when they watched a train wreck. But on the other hand, when you gaslight someone and you're like, all right, bring it, bitches, right? Guess what they do? They get angry and they trip up. So these people stole the elections. They got away with it. What does that make them comfortable? What is Durham investigating the origin of the fraud? What's Tory's defamation case investigating or looking to prove that her affidavit is true? Right. What am I showing? Because they defamed me. They they laughed at me. They ridiculed me. What am I going to show? No, I'm right. Here's where it started. Here's the origin. And here's the proof. Now, who's laughing? The origin of everything is the root of the problem. If you yank a flower, uh, a weed, right, the roots will stay in there and you will get another weed. What you have to do is be patient. You've got to wiggle the dirt and then you take it out. And I think right now what's happening across the nation that we're not paying attention to is that that is exactly it. They fell right into the trap, right into it, and they're showing us everything because they're that brazen they're that i mean what government in the united yeah. states ever would you think would be brazen enough to force people to take a vaccine that is experimental yeah i mean and it's then, so obvious look at buffett uh, buffett look at biden calling a reporter a dumbass the other day well, does, you know, anyone doesn't see that he just has no answers and he's just yeah, he said he either called him an asset or he said inflation is a great asset, one of the two, right? But when have you ever seen such brazen behavior? Never. Yeah. Why? Because they think they're untouchable. Yeah. Or it could be that we're allowing them to play it out because look at the shit show in Ukraine. The U.S. is the only one saying Russia's imminent. Russia's imminent. Well, then, then, then just go. They're the only ones doing it. Merkel's shitting her pants right now because Russia has her hostage with energy. Turkey's in the dumpster because that's the actual target right now, not Russia, not Ukraine. Target it's of the USA? Target of the conglomerate. <laughs> well, because they want to replace Erdogan with what? Well, you know, Erdogan was a lifeline for Iran, right? <sighs> and um, Putin had made a couple of deals with Erdogan that put Erdogan in a nice tight box. Oh. And we're going to see a repeat. You remember history, how Russia came down, you know, after Stalin and they came down the Caucasus, the Caucasus down to Turkey. And then they wanted to take Crimea and Ukraine right over there. This is the same exact play. It's only 2022. And that's because they've been crossed. That's why the Russians did it back then. And this is why it's happening now. And the person that NATO will tap to defend is who? Turkey, mm -hmm. which is the second largest military power next to the United States. So it's quite interesting yeah. and fascinating, right? Because there's a lot of things going on. And, and you know, the writing was on the wall. President Trump sent a shit ton of stuff to Greece in 2019. So you, know, you may not feel this way as a, as a Greek, but I think setting aside the Greek side of things, the breakup of the Ottoman Empire over the Middle East may turn out to have been... Biggest mistake not, ever. 
Yeah. Yeah. I got the, the lid on things and got well it did, but they but Mecca was returned to the Arabs down there because the Ottomans had hold of that too. Um and the yeah. thing is they couldn't trust the Ottomans because they were kind of barbarian. They 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 this is why the Arabs don't recognize them as a Muslim nation, right? Um they as one of their brothers. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> they uh they they're different. They are this different. Not, I, yeah. I was just over there not long ago. Yeah. I did some travel logs from there, and they, uh, it was interesting. They, the, the Arabs have a saying. Actually, how's it go? They're fanatics. Never expect. Now, this is slightly. This is an Arab saying, not mine. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit, you know, ethnocentric or whatever. Right. So it's a three-part thing. Never expect. Uh, oh, that's was it. Never expect. So this is a little offensive. Yeah, we'll no, yeah, 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 any that's three different groups. That's but never expect generosity from a Jewish person. Never expect organization from an Arab. Now this is an Arab saying. Never expect mm-hmm. organization from an Arab, and never expect mercy from a Turk. Yes, Turks do not provide mercy, and these are these are culturally ingrained ideas from that have been passed on. I mean, for me, the Turks uh, remind me of the United States, a mashup of a lot of ethnicities, but just for Micronesia, right? Um, that's that's how for Micronesia. Yeah, that's what I like to call the area, the the small Asia, small Asia, right? Which we have Arabs, Afghan, you know, the Mongols came uh, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I and that is an idea that um, uh, Eritreans push the Africans. Can you hear my cat purring? I could earlier. I don't know. He's yeah, so I have- loud. He's so loud. He's so loud. I swear this cat is broken too. He just, hey, if you come to Florida, I'm going to get off. But if you come to Florida, I want to tell you something. Yeah. We're going to totally connect. Yeah. If I come. come, come to Florida and set up something with one of your Tory says groups in Florida. We'll Orlando or something like that. We'll drive over and see him. Yeah. Tampa. yeah. We have one in Tampa. Or Sarasota. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. everywhere in Florida. Naples. So. We'll drive there. We'll have a, We'll pick a place, pick a pick a, a restaurant or a bar. We'll all meet. Yeah, there. yeah. No, I'm totally game. You know, last time I was down there, we did that, and they organized the whole thing. I just turned up. They had uh, booked a place. I had really good food. It was like bolognese something. I was just so good. It was so I was so hungry, and it's just so great to see all those people. You'll see all the people running in Florida, by the way, if we do that. So I think that's pretty I love good. That. I okay. Love- well, I want to thank you for spending time for my archivist that archives these. You can split them up into two episodes. Um, so that way people on the podcast can listen to part one and part two. Patrick, we have so much fun talking. I and love it. Like, I think we're walking like encyclopedias. You know, my kids right. say, I don't need Google. I have mom, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, this is this is really this is really nice that we can actually um have these conversations. We should do more of it. I think the America Project and the world of Tory, I call you Tory world. As it, I, call th- I call this that I'm speaking to you with you as Tory's world or Tory world. Is that, did I make that up or is that your expression? You made it up okay. because, you know, I work, they're my employers. The people are my employer. Like when people say who pays you, it's like the, I, I work for the people. No one has any better way. You know, I know, right? If I had a NASCAR suit, it would be just a ton of American faces. It would be kind of weird. Maybe it would be one of those mosaic that actually show another picture and put all the faces of my listeners into an American flag or something. That would well, be dope. 
It would be dope. I am fading. I've got pneumonia. I've got to get up in five hours and fly. To and town. I and I need to say good night to my listeners because tomorrow I'm not going to do a show because I'm having a micro procedure. So, oh, yeah. it's no big serious. deal. It's no big deal. I'll be fine. It's just the prep for that bigger procedure oh. that I want to do at some point. Um, so yeah. So I told them that I'd be off. So they got enough of it, and I know that they're going to listen to it in two parts. So that's good. Well, you're and a smart I love company. having you out here. You're a I love having you on, you. and my right. audience does too. God bless. Back, God bless. You. Back you. Love you. Love you all. <laughs> Good we, night. God wins this one. I see something. Yes, I know that. Good yeah, God wins. Good guys yes, win. does. Yes, he does. God bless. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys. So I had a lot of fun. You can't say that, you know, I didn't do that extra show because tomorrow I'll be off. Right. Um, I totally, um, you know, if, if I happen to be in, in Florida, maybe we can connect and do something. Um, and I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, on that note, I want to wish you guys a fantastic evening. And remember, if he is with us, then who can be against us? That's the way it works. That is the epitome. Good night. Thank you.